Hello and welcome to episode three of Settling the Score. Uh, I'm Steve Luck and with me in the studio I have Peter Aiken. Hello. Kit Haig is uh, unavailable at the present moment, being stranded somewhere off the coast of Norway in a tin bath. <laughs> <laughs>
That was Ed Watkins with We've Got a Shop to Run, and before that, Dan and Darren Cullen with Mirage. And coming up now, uh, there's a work from Ian Body, which is entitled Elemental. Thank you. 
So um, our topic for discussion this month is all about uh, marketing for media composers, about getting your work uh, out in front of the people who may want to buy it. There is a dictionary definition from uh, a very well-known online encyclopedia um, which describes marketing as being um, the process of communicating the value of a product or service to customers. Um, so um, when, it, when I think about it in terms of like applying it to media composers in particular, I think of it as being, well, first the first thing that applies, I guess, is that we're selling a service as opposed to selling a product, although is that when I'm trying to think about it there's I suppose there, there are people just want to buy tracks and yeah. kind of licensing is more like that you're selling products mm -hmm. but for bespoke composition stuff then you're selling a service so you're selling a service cover. yeah the the work that you create becomes part of a product that someone else is doing usually it's a business to business situation yeah. as opposed to a business to consumer yeah. and I think um in terms of marketing be interesting to sort of talk about various things that we've done that we would class as marketing in our own businesses and yeah. Um, yeah whether we whether it's actually we would think of it as marketing or not um it probably would be defined that way do you have any sort of uh stories about how you've marketed yourself say when you started out how you got your first jobs how you got yourself known yeah well i i, I think if we if we sort of take it you know back um to to um to that sort of um the, the discussion around marketing about it being um this idea about communicating the value of something i think that's important to get this sort of concept straight first which is that when people are buying stuff this is from some business training thing that i did ages ago and and, and as as musicians i think it's quite difficult to always think of yourself as being uh, a, a business person but you are in yeah. the business of selling something yeah. so the rules of business actually apply to you in just the same way as mm. any other business you can't sort of you know separate yourself out as being something different because the market forces and all, all of that stuff all, all sort of applies mm. and one of the things that um the business training people were kind of banging on about and stressing and being an important point which I, th I think is absolutely right is that when people are buying stuff and making decisions about what to purchase they don't actually buy the things what what they buy is they buy the benefits of having the things that they buy so mm -hmm. uh, in our case if they're buying um, your service as a composer they're buying the benefits of having your music on the track they're not actually you know, I, I don't know. I don't know quite how to. It's. Yeah, I suppose there's better analogies with with um, products. I suppose. You yeah. know, when you if you if people want to buy a washing machine, because the washing machine's broken, then they they will. Um, uh, they don't want to buy a washing machine just to have a washing machine. They want to buy it because it's going to clean their clothes for them, and mm. you know, and 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 do all. So they're buying the benefits rather yeah. than. Uh, so that's an important thing to kind of have in your head, I suppose, that yeah. when you're thinking about marketing, kind of stressing what the benefits are that you can bring to stuff mm. is uh, is kind of more important, I suppose, than trying to sell, you know, I don't know, sell yourself. or Yeah. It's interesting you said about that you, we don't necessarily always look at ourselves as a business. Um, is that something that you struggled with when you started out? I think there might be a kind of... I don't know whether it's just with creative people in general, but yeah. s selling yourself as a business seems somehow unrelated to the creative side of what you do, which is what you might consider to be your your main goal. Yeah. The thing that you do is the the work that you create, but then having to put that in business terms, some sometimes it's hard to get your head around that when when you're starting out. Um, yeah. Was that something that you did you have? trouble with um, seeing yourself as Steve Luck as a business rather than a it, it musician? Is, it, it, it takes a while, I think, to get your head around it, I think, yeah. And um, and it's it's um, a different proposition to, um, to you know, like you say, like the, the, I think there's always been this issue with art and commerce kind of mm. rubbing up against each other yeah. and, and not always being comfortable. So people don't understand why paintings can cost millions of pounds mm. uh, for some people and then other artists that might be there you know the other people because the people make value judgments about yeah. the artwork and about the you know mm -hmm. what they perceive it's worth to be and, yeah. and, and all of that um and there's the same thing goes on in terms of the value of you know unknown unsigned artists and yeah. kind of the big megastar artists and stuff in in music as well so mm. um so yes but uh, i think that's something that i had to learn about 
and it wasn't immediately obvious. It was something that you kind of, mm-hmm. I suppose, grasp the fact that y- you are a brand. If you want to try and make some money, if you want to get some money off somebody, mm-hmm. other than by <laughs> <laughs> nicking them, nicking it or whatever, then you have to kind of, you know, you have to. Um, the the rules of um, sort of commerce and and business and all that mm-hmm. apply to you in just the same way as anybody else, and it's no different. So that's a, it's really important point I think, yeah. to to stress. Um, well, when when I started, um, I just came from a background of just being a musician. Um, but I joined a it's like a business incubator at uh, the University of Sunderland called Creativity Works, which was businesses in the creative uh, fields in their first twelve months, and it was sort of guiding them through all the basic steps you would need: accountancy, marketing, and stuff like that. And it was yeah. through that through being involved with that that was the first time I ever really learned how to sort of sell what I did as a business because I, not that I felt that it was unseemly but putting a price on what you do and trying to sell what you do to people that you uh, don't know is, is quite a, a strange thing if that's not part of your background I have no real business background yeah. and that was something I had to learn to do as well and after a while like you say with art and commerce it doesn't always go well together but after a while you kind of you know I've, the art was fine I could just I could do with a bit more commerce, really. <laughs> Couldn't we all, yes. More commerce, please. Yes. <laughs> well, I think for media composers, I mean, one of, one of the things that's useful, uh, again, just sort of going back to sort of basic principles about marketing is this idea of um, defining who the customers are um, yeah. and try to define what, what they want. So that was something that I tried to identify, again, going back to the starting point in sort of working this through was to try to say, well, who who is it is going to buy this thing? Mm. And, and, and I suppose... I did some piano teaching while well, I still do some piano teaching and have done for a while. And, and actually the thing about that is most of the people that come in are kids, but they're not the customers, you know, mm, it's the parents yeah. of the customers. So it's like identifying who is the, who, who's going to write the checks or who's going to, um, you know, pay, pay the bills for, for whatever mm. in, in terms of media composing is exactly, exactly the same thing. It's about trying to identify who has, who is it that you need to be on side with. So on a practical level, how did you go about doing that? You say you identify who you the user would be yeah how did you actually do that did you cold call people did you uh, yeah i did i did some well i did research i, I used the the internet um you found uh, websites with um lists of uh, media companies on uh, in particular i was sort of targeting film to begin with um so i found that you know the northern film and media website the local screen agency website was was really useful as a as a kind of starting point for um, you know, just kind of getting a feel for what sorts of companies were out there and what kinds of things they were doing. I suppose it's like keeping your ear to the ground, but yeah. it, it kind of feels like, oh, you're just surfing the net and not necessarily doing stuff. But you kind of pick up knowledge about what's going on in, mm. in your area sort of thing. Um, and then I did do, yeah, cold calling. Um, I, did, I, sort of, I rang people up and asked them if they would like a showreel and sent them showreels and, and all of that stuff. Um, uh, I put together... Um, a, a website or had somebody put together a website on, on my behalf you know obviously me sort of trying to um, in, you know uh, incorporate what was um, uh, what I thought was the, the best things to include on the website but that's that's probably a whole other topic about yeah. how to design a good <laughs> website for media composers um, uh, and um, yeah, I'd ring people up I would also try and get out and about and go and see people and do kind of face-to-face networking or set up meetings and go and talk to people about what I do and or invite them invite them to the studio I, mm. I thought it was a really good way of getting people kind of on side in terms mm. of like you know being in the space where the where the things created there seems to be something about that that um that you know that, that it sort of links in a bit more so and you're on your you're mm. on your own patch and you've got everything that you can show and talk <laughs> yeah. you know talk um about stuff so um, when you were doing all that did you think of that as marketing when you were doing it or was it just did, did you have that kind of clarity or were you just simply seeing uh, what you could achieve seeing who no, you could get I in think, contact with no i think i think it's, there's some bits uh, i suppose there's some bits that you view as marketing um uh, but then uh, when, when you talk about marketing in terms of like communicating the value of, of, of something to, to customers then probably most of the stuff that you do could be interpreted as marketing yeah. or every bit of communication yeah. that you send out whether it's emails or, you know there's things like having an email signature with links to tracks on or links to the website mm. on or having um or you know sort of letterheads or kind of all, all of those kinds of you know bits of communication um all 
count, I think. You know, they, they are all, it's all um, presenting some information to somebody that if they don't know much about you, then that's what they receive. And mm -hmm. it's remembering that, I suppose, that yeah. kind of keeps you. So, yes, I, did, I, I think I did have, mm. have an idea of that. That was Kit Haig with Glowing Hoops. So um, what sort of things have you been doing, Peter, for, for marketing for your work? Well, when I first started, um, I went to uh, a place called Project Northeast in Newcastle. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a meeting with a business advisor and explained that I wanted to try and do composing as a, mm -hmm. uh, as a career for a business. Yeah. And um, the... Uh, they were like, yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> and then, uh, so I did. <laughs> well, when I, well, when I, <laughs> Jesus. Well, when I first started, right. Well, one of the first things I did, I went to, uh, a place called Project Northeast in Newcastle, uh, just to get some advice about how to set up your own business. And through them, I received a marketing grant, which basically, it was, a, it was just a small grant, but it enabled me to buy some basic things like blank CDs, um, some artwork, and I did a showreel mm -hmm. that I did. I probably did the thing that a lot of people do, which I think it's not necessarily considered to be the right thing to do. I just sent out a load of CDs to different companies, whether right. they were looking for something right. or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's probably not the best use of your time or money. Um, I think out of 50 CDs, I got about three responses, right. um, yeah. which apparently, <laughs> all things considered, bad. it's not yeah, that yeah. bad. Yeah, 6%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and they were quite encouraging, uh, the responses I did get. Um, but then I sort of, I, I decided to try and contact companies directly over the phone. That's cold yeah. calling, which nobody really likes to do, but it's something you have to get used to doing. Yeah. Um, same as what you did. And I tried to arrange some meetings with people to go and see people. I think that's one of the, that's one of the most important things is to actually see people face yeah. to face. Yeah, yeah. And then you can... You can talk to them, you can find out what they're looking for, yeah. and you can express a bit about yourself, what you do. It's very important because it can be quite faceless 
and yeah. doing everything yeah. online. And also really easy to ignore people. It's really easy to ignore yeah. emails and that. You know, I yeah. get loads of emails that I don't re- read. Yeah. You know, there's loads of unread emails because I know that it's kind of marketing stuff mm-hmm. from somebody who's trying hard to do the same sorts yeah. of things as you're trying to do. But it's a mm-hmm. good lesson to learn, you know, yeah. is to think how you respond to spam or, well, yeah. not spam, but, you know, marketing mm-hmm. information. It's certainly worth your while just trying to just put a little bit of time aside to go around local businesses next to you yeah. um, and go and have those those one-on-one meetings with people. And yeah. that, more than anything, has led to to actual work for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but I suppose in terms of marketing, I, I'm not necessarily the most, uh, in terms of like how you, how you market yourself, I'm not the most outgoing of people. Right. And I find that... Yeah. Uh, most of my works come through word of mouth or from people I've worked with who work, you know, their associates. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the personal side of it, I'd say, is probably the most important thing. But I, I know it sounds, it sounds a bit weird, but isn't, like, the word of mouth thing is as a result of stuff that you've done. So yeah. at some stage, then you have communicated the value <laughs> of what you do yeah. to somebody and then they yeah. have communicated to somebody else. Yes. So it's, in a way, I, I don't know if everything always comes back to, you know, can be classed as marketing mm. or not, you know, but it's, it is, there's a definite link there. Isn't yeah. There? I think that's why it's really important, whatever job you do, you go above and beyond because a bad yeah. impression on someone, that'll just spread really quickly. Yeah. And that can be the, the death of you, really. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah, trying to be trying to be good to work with is probably mm. one of the best <laughs> and, you know, ways of marketing yourself, and yeah. you can you know not being a pain, not being precious, giving them what they want, delivering on time, yeah. high quality stuff. Mm-hmm. If you do all of that, then you know who's not going to come back. You know, mm-hmm. if they've had a really great experience with yeah. working with you. So, uh, yeah, I suppose in summary, we can say that you know marketing is is uh, something which is really important, and actually, it's probably something that you do all the time every time that you communicate about the work that you do it's kind of something to be thoughtful about indeed um and um if the uh, uh, well if you want more information and some really useful helpful uh, practical sort of hints and tips about things that other composers have tried um there is a great article from um, a composer called heather fenity um, who has written a, an article called 51 Marketing Ideas for Film Composers and that's on the um, scorecastonline.com uh, website and that's, uh, it's got loads of, uh, loads of ideas in there that you can try out.
That was uh, Roma Yagnik with a piece called The Dance for the Red Shoes. And before that, uh, you heard Ian J. Cole with his piece Fire Dance. This week's Composer of the Month is Liverpool-based musician Patrick Deneen. Patrick has had a varied career thus far, uh, receiving a number of commissions for TV, film and theatre work, and was previously composer-in-residence at the Liverpool Playhouse. Firstly, we asked Patrick how he got started in music and what some of his early inspirations were. I started in music playing the drums as a teenager in various bands um, and loving rhythm. What inspired me, I suppose, to begin with, it was from my childhood. My mother used to play the piano and sometimes throw these parties. And I used to sort of sit in the corner as a kid. I should have been in bed, but watch all these grown-ups talking and dancing while the piano was being played. So I kind of made a connection with music straight off. And then my grandmother used to play me music at about midnight. Um, all the old records she had in her collection. Lots of fantastic stuff, you know, vaudeville, cabaret, all kinds. And sometimes she'd even get up and try and perform it uh, and do it very well. And that sort of introduced me to it all and that took me into another world and I just found it thrilling and exciting. How did Patrick get into composing? Well, I had a series of jobs in London, um, painting, decorating, all kinds of manual labour and stuff like that. And I went out and bought a piano one day, an upright piano, and started to teach myself chords and the basic sort of theory of music. And then I put a band together and we toured and did Peel Sessions, released a couple of albums, uh, and that was a very exciting time. And I learnt an awful lot doing that. I learnt a lot about audiences and how they react and, and, and you know when it works and when it doesn't, and, which was amazing. And then I realised that I wanted to get deeper into this, so I went to evening classes and studied jazz and uh, kept trying to develop my technique. And then I started to write scores for fringe theatres in London, you know, for nothing. Um, but the experience was amazing, and keep working with different directors, and you're learning all the time. You're learning, and you never stop learning, and that's key to you know composing. You never stop learning. But I did Brecht and all kinds of different stuff like that. And then I went to the Guild Hall for a year to study composition. Um, and then I managed to get myself a job at the Liverpool Playhouse as a composer in residence. Um, I, I said I'd worked all over the world and, and nobody had checked. And I had a friend in uh, Germany and a friend in Sydney. And I said, if anybody rings you, you're artistic directors of certain theatre companies. And no one checked. So... That was amazing, really, and I did about 24 shows in two and a half years, you know, main house, studio, outreach, site-specific. So that's how I started in composing. And all the time, it's that relationship between the story and the score that fascinates me. We asked Patrick what his top three favourite film or media scores were. Well, my first choice would be Once Upon a Time in America by Ennio Morricone. First of all, because of the sheer beauty of his music and, and melody. I mean, it's exquisite. And I also love the way he uses the unexpected with his music. I mean, he'll counterpoint a dark, violent scene with some delicate a piece of music that's full of melancholy and nostalgia, as if he's trying to get to the heart of the character with the gun in his hand. Uh, and it's such a broad beautiful and elegant score. So that would be my number one.
and number two would be Taxi Driver, Bernard Herrmann. Because the opening theme to that completely captures the world that we're going to enter. Sort of amoral, corrupt, seedy, decadent world of New York in those times. And he captures that brilliantly, so we know where we are immediately. And also his underscoring is stark and disciplined and never gets in the way. And I love that because some music these days, I think, does get in the way. It draws too much attention to itself. And I don't think Bernard Herrmann ever does that. My last choice would be a film called I Am Love, which came out recently, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, by John Adams. I think it's an incredibly elegant, disciplined score that drives the narrative forward as immense excitement and feeling to the film. And I love it. Which piece of Patrick's own work was he most proud of? This is difficult because I listen back to work I've done in the past and I find fault with it and I'm hypercritical. I think that's just natural. I tend to still like things that are very simple. So there's a piece I did for a silent film called The Guest House. It's the opening sequence and, and the main theme. 
It's very, very simple, but uh, I was proud of that because I thought it was emotive and had a, a good melody to it. What else is Patrick involved in outside of composing? Well, that's a good question. The answer is probably not enough um, because I spend a lot of time working. I'm becoming more and more involved with activism towards the environment, which I really, really obviously care about. Who wouldn't? Anybody in their right mind would care about what's going on to the environment. I used to be um, very into politics, but... Um, increasingly I'm not because I see the parties as different shades of the same colour except for the Green Party who have some policies that I greatly admire um, I like walking I like photography theatre, film that's probably about it really We ask Patrick to describe his working process Well it varies depending on the nature of the work. If, for example, I'm doing a music theatre piece, and I've done a lot of that, the first thing I ask the director and the writer is, what is the function of the songs? You know, the, the key for, for songs, irrespective of the, the, the musicality, the, the, the key for me is putting the songs in the right places, and then they normally write themselves to a degree if, if you put them in the right place that's a, the first thing I always consider uh, and that's a very strong part of my process when I'm working in music theatre when I'm working in theatre or film in general I try and absorb the story as much as I can look upon myself as someone who's there to support that at all times I do like to work from a theme a lot so I will spend a lot of time trying to develop the appropriate theme for the piece, if it needs one. And that is the hardest and often the most rewarding part of the process because writing you know, 10 kilometres of underscore is you know, re relatively straightforward if you know what you're doing and you've been doing it for some time. Writing a memorable theme is a completely different thing and takes a lot of work and a lot of concentration so I will work at a piano until I've got what I want and then I will orchestrate it and arrange it. I always work from a, the simple melody, the single melody, the, the, the piano line or the guitar line. Um, obviously as well, if I'm dealing with a piece that's from a particular period, I'll study that period, always do my research. Lots and lots of research is crucial because it adds authenticity, to your work and as you do the research you kind of physically and emotionally absorb the music that you're listening to and it becomes in time hopefully second nature and therefore adds a fluency to what you're composing I don't know that I've been articulate about all of this but for me it's a, it, it's a mixture of research discipline but then at the heart of it uh, instinct you have to follow your instinct and your heart. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm not interested in music that's really clever, but actually has no emotion to it. What is Patrick working on at the moment? First of all, I'm working on uh, uh, a multimedia opera about 
propaganda in the 20th century. That I mean, it is an epic piece of theatre. Um, it sounds very grand, I know. It's an incredibly ambitious piece, but that's all right. So I'm working on that and developing that with the producer. In the not-too-distant future, I should be writing the score and songs for a version of the Pied Piper and also working on a children's piece which has no dialogue set in a kind of um, mythical world of uh, mass production and a factory where it all breaks down and goes wrong. Um, so most of what I do now is you know, for a long time has been purely about writing music for story, for drama, for film, theatre, radio, rather than music uh, that stands alone. Although that is something that I really want to develop more. Finally, how can you get in touch with Patrick? You can get in touch with me at pdineen at hotmail.co.uk. That's P for Patrick, D-I-N-W-E-N at hotmail.co.uk and also through the Guild of Northern Media Composers, of course. Uh, A lot of my music on SoundCloud, which I'm continually updating.
That was Steve Luck with Spanish Guitar, and before that we heard Shoreline from Arcane Music. This show is produced by the Guild of Northern Media Composers. Please get in touch with us via email at info at northernmediacomposers.co.uk. And to play us out, here's Michael Freeman with Ballier Swing. 